Paco. So I think you have a question for Sabrina as well. Did you just highlight a portion for me, Cadence? Yes. <laughs> yes, because that portion was the one that you said you were going to do. And I thought it would be like a perfect continuation of what Sabrina said just now. We're trying to keep Yeah, but I was like... like I don't you guys know are doing very yourself. well, by the way. Hello and welcome to this week on Sustainapod. I, Paco, and my co-host, Cadence, will be talking to Sabrina Chen, a 19-year-old university student and founder of Donut Waste. She founded Donut Waste from a pitching competition and after successful launch, soon expanded Donut Waste with multiple other projects. Needless to say, she sure is one inspiring individual, having already achieved so much at such a young age. So, everything aside, let's get to our interview with Sabrina. So, welcome Sabrina, welcome to this episode of uh, Sustain Pod. We really, like, was grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and your, um, and discuss about your work with Donut Waste. So, Paco, why don't you start off? So, like, um, I guess for, like, our listeners, right? So, people who don't really know what Donut Waste is, can you introduce your organization? Yeah, no problem. Um, thank you for having me. So Donut Waste um, is a student-led organization aiming to reduce food waste um, in China and in Hong Kong. Um, we started back in 2016 through a program called NatureWorks, which is essentially an environmental student um, startup incubator. Um, and we were initially funded by Goldman Sachs, the Nature Conservancy, and Veolia. Um, our, I'd say, two main projects are... Um, the first one was something called the Donut Waste Garden Kit, where we um, went to various fairs across Hong Kong, and we sold um, gardening kits that taught kids how to um, take kind of unusable vegetable stems and regrow a completely new plant from it. So that was pretty cool. Um, and the second thing is what we're working on right now. It's called Food Prints, and essentially what it is, it's a um, food waste monitoring program, and we're targeting targeting it at different schools and at different companies um, and it's basically what happens is a real-time food waste monitor so that as you scrape food in you look up at our monitor and you see in real time the amount of food waste you're generating and it kind of plots how much food waste you've generated from day to day and the most important thing is it shows you how much resources that food has consumed so it's just something that we're super passionate about. Yeah, I can really tell that you're super passionate about this issue. So you mentioned that you started Donut Waste through NatureWorks, which I presume is a pitching competition. How did you manage to pitch your idea convincingly so that you're able to get um, the people from this competition to support you and donate some seed funding for um, your Donut Waste project? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the panel that was, I guess, judging us um, were field experts. And so there were adults. And um, as kids, obviously, it was difficult at first. Um, but I think what really helped was when I was planning for it, um, I made sure that everyone in my group, and back then it was 10 people, so that was quite difficult. In a 10-minute pitch, you had to have everyone involved. Um, and it's important to have everyone in your team involved equally because 
it shows, you know, like you're there as a team, you don't want one person to be speaking or to be pulling all the weight. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the second thing is it's always great to show them that you really are serious by actually having started already. So I believe we already had like clear plan planned out. Um, it was three steps. We had three different initiatives we wanted to go for. We already started emailing different schools, had schools interested. Um, and it's always great to, I guess, quantify your success or the success that you had before pitching. Um, it shows that, you know, you've already taken initiative to reach out to different um, schools or different customers that you might have um, and that you've already started working on a project. So like about this pitch, was it, do you guys know each other? Like those 10 people, you guys know each other already? Or was it just like a bunch of random people? Yeah, Make I should sure. probably start with that. Um, so the NatureWorks was, um, yeah, so essentially run by the Nature Conservancy, which is a big um, in American environmental um, NGO. And in this um, startup incubator, what they did was, I think there were about 100 kids from different high schools in Hong Kong um, and both local, international. Um, and no, I didn't know any people in my group um, except for one, I believe. And it was really based on interest. We were like thrown into a group together and it was just basically, here's a little bit of help. Go and like get yourself started. Yeah, because like, it's kind of hard because you guys don't really know each other, right? And then you guys are put into this process where you guys are all, uh, you guys all like this one field and spoiler alert, you guys won. So how did that feel? Oh, it felt amazing. And I think one of the big things, like everyone's always talking about entrepreneurship, like it's so risky, why are you going into it? Um, the sense of achievement you have is unbelievable um, every step of the way. Like you're building something from ground up. Nothing else in the world gives me that sense of achievement. Um, and the first thing you said about how, you know, you were just all thrown together. Um, how did that work? You didn't know each other. What if you didn't get along? Um, yeah, there was a lot of that and you had to work through it. Everyone was different, but um, I don't know. Like everyone brought something to the table and in the end, unfortunately, the team didn't last. Um, it kind of broke up right after we got the funding. Um, but shortly after that, learning from that experience, learning of how to work with different people, even when you don't choose to work with them. I learned kind of what's important in a group. And so I got to then choose people who were, who I wanted to work with since the whole group broke up. Um, and so I reached out with a few of my friends who brought different things to the table. And um, yeah, we started working from there and it worked out great. Well, like, well, you mentioned a bit about how after everyone just kind of got the money and it ran away. So you had to build a new team. So how did you manage to find your team? What traits or what attitude were you looking for when you were recruiting for these new members? And why were these traits important to you? Yeah, um, definitely. Building a team, especially when you're getting started in a startup, is I think the most important skill you can have. Um, and it's definitely my biggest takeaway. Um, and you just learn so much about it. Um, what do I look for in a team? So I've kept our, at least our exec team, relatively small. Um, and everyone brings something different to the table. And that's always 
so important. Um, you have to complement each other. You don't want two people work with the same exact skill set um, because you want everyone to feel like they're part of the team, that they're bringing something to the table. So um, I'm good at kind of organizing. Um, I have another friend who is great at arts. She did all the promotion for us. Um, and another friend who is great, a legend at coding. Um, and he did all the computer work. So everyone played a crucial role. We couldn't have done it without each other. Um, and yeah, that's what's important. You also have to make sure that I guess you work well together and it always helps that you kind of were friends first and you got to knew each other and got to choose to work with each other. Right. And so now you guys are in uni, right? So how's that impact things? Like how has your life been more busy? Is it, is it something that's affecting you guys? How are you guys still managing to keep going through? Yeah, so that's definitely been a challenge. Um, huh, I think the most progress we made throughout, like, what, the four years I've been working on this, five almost, um, was the summer right before university because we basically cleared it off a whole month and we were just back in high school 24-7 in, like, a lab trying to get our products going. Um, and that was so productive. And at the end of that summer, we actually got it implemented at an office in Hong Kong, which was wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, since university has started, of course, sometimes priorities shift. Um, you're in different time zones. That's always something hard to work with. Um, but I guess fate <laughs> brought me and one of my friends, who's another member um, of my team, we're at the same university, actually. We're both at Penn. Um, and so that's been great. Um, we've actually taken advantage of being in university. We've done about two, three pitch competitions to try and gain extra funding for Donut Waste. Um, yeah, and it really just does expand your horizon. You're in a new environment. And I think instead of taking away from kind of building on our startup, we've been able to take this university experience and add something and yeah, really take off. Oh, well, I heard you mentioned a lot about how you managed to build a connection with a company and have your product implemented in their office. As well, you also mentioned um, going to pitching competitions and just generally trying to um, gather more attention for Donut Waste. So this is related to around networking and building connections. So how did you go about with building strong connections with um other people and other organizations and maybe like perhaps talk about some of your tips for that as well if you can yeah that's great um so i think it was a leg up that this whole startup started at the nature works and it was run by the nature conservancy um and so that itself is already one connection then they had Violia and goldman sachs on their panel and so that was another two companies um and I think that as a student, you may not feel like you come into contact with a lot of different companies or a lot of different adults in different fields. But the point is, if you come across even just one, like grasp onto it and like really take advantage of it. I really, really like juiced out every ounce of like the help I could get from them. 
them. Um, Violia, for example, I literally like held on to them and I was like, hi, can I have an internship, please? And they were like, uh, we don't have a program, but yeah, sure, we can try and get you one. And so I interned at their place for two years and then implemented my product there. Um, I also interned at the Nature Conservancy for one year. Um, and it's just kind of constantly emailing them. Um, and they're, they've been super nice. Um, again, they're environmental firms, so they want to see kids taking action. Um, and a big skill set definitely is how to write emails. You're not going to go, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, it has to be professional. Um, that's something, that's definitely a skill I've learned um, through my startup. Yeah, just how to write emails. Right, and this just started because you guys had this um, competition, if I don't remember wrong, year nine, was it? Year nine? Yep, year nine. I think I was like 14, 14. Because year nine is like really young. And so how you guys managed to like get to so many companies now, I feel like that's something for everyone, right? Because many students right now, there are many competitions um, and maybe like, these students should get involved in that because, hey, maybe one day you get to know all these companies. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely get start um, get started early. I mean, yeah, I guess looking back, I was young. I didn't think of that, you know? I think a lot of times the um, mindset we're put into is you're still a kid, you can't do anything, um, you know, wait till you're grown up. But that's so not true. Like age really does not matter every per literally every person counts um and yeah don't let someone tell you otherwise just because your kid doesn't mean you can't do anything god that makes me wonder what i was doing at age 14. Hmm. <laughs> that was just a year ago kidding yeah <laughs> i think i could have been doing something like go to a pitching competition <laughs> yeah that's an important thing though right because most of us students it's either like okay, let's go on Instagram and let's look over it. But there's also like tests and grades that you got to care about. I mean, it's less like, it's less important at age 14, but it's still like a thing. And so how did you get to manage like tests and all the work you had to do at age 14? Yeah, actually, that's a really good point that you brought up. Um, people always come to me now and they're like, and they come to me in like grade 11 and they're like, hi, I want to get into whatever university. Can you give me advice? And really, it's a little too late. Like you should be starting at grade nine. Um, and that's kind of the crucial years when you try and find your passion. You know, you're asking me how I managed to balance homework and like grades. And obviously that's super important. Um, but I didn't see the startup as work. It was so fun. And I don't know how to describe it, but you feel so accomplished. Every like email someone responds to, every product you sell, um, every like, every time something happens, you just feel so happy. And you don't get that from scrolling through Instagram. Um, and obviously like procrastination is still a huge thing, but like just get your feet wet, get started and you're gonna feel it, I promise you. Because you'll, like, you'll fall in love. I'm so in love with, like, entrepreneurship and environmental studies. I mean, that's exactly what I'm studying now in university. I mean, so, like, what convinced you that food waste was an issue that you were passionate about? Like, I should start my own organization. Yeah, um, so, 
I mean, it really was started at the Nature Works, but I think why food waste out of all environmental issues um, is because I love eating. Like, I love food. Um, and I didn't see why so much has to be wasted. A third of food waste in the world, oh, sorry, a third of food in the world is never eaten. That's so much gone into food that's literally thrown out when so many people are malnourished, not just in developing countries, just in Hong Kong. I mean, so many people can't afford fresh fruits. Um, most people, not most, but a lot of people can't afford three meals a day. Um, and so honestly, in my opinion, it's the most underrated and the most important environmental issue. Do you think that seeing now that um, COVID-19 has forced a lot of us at home and increased the amount of takeaways that we're doing, do you think COVID-19 has amplified this issue of food waste in any way? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it's funny how you mentioned kind of like the cutlery and the boxes that we um, use for takeout. Um, a lot of people count that as plastic waste. I kind of count that as, you know, food-related F&B waste. Um, and yeah, so let's not even start with like plastic waste. That's just insane and so horrible. I bring my own box out and people like shove me away as if I'm some sort of virus. Like, why can't I just, it's super clean. My box is super clean. Anyways, they're not allowing us to bring our own box, but that's besides the point. Yeah, that's a huge amount of waste. I can't even start with that. But um, in terms of just food waste, um, again, we don't see very much of this. But behind the, se behind the scenes, um, like hotels, for example, order a lot of food. And this is all pre-ordered food um, that now no one is going to eat because no one's going out to hotels. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of food waste going on. Um, and I think a super, super cool startup that is tackling this um, is Imperfect Foods. And essentially what they do is uh, they're US-based as well. They're taking all this kind of um, food that would otherwise be wasted on farms um, or from kind of like behind the scenes in hotels and they're um, putting into boxes and shipping it to people. So that just really does help minimize food waste. What are some of the yeah. ways that you personally do to um, reduce food waste in your own life? Oh, amazing, amazing question. I really have been trying to work on myself. Um, yeah, so always bring your own box, okay? Just always do it. People look at me and they think I'm crazy, but hey, I'm gonna do it anyways. Um, and even if you think that's a little too crazy for you, a box is like quite hefty and it's like in your bag all day and takes up a lot of space, then at least bring your own fork. It takes no space whatsoever and it saves a lot of plastic. So bring your own fork, bring your own box. Um, and I'm also part-time vegetarian right now. Um, again, no one likes someone who's preachy. Um, and I think that's definitely not the way to go when you're trying to advocate for environmentalism. But um, yeah, I've been part-time vegetarian because the amount of resources that goes into producing meat is absolutely insane. Um, Okay, can, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, please. Sure. Yeah, okay, can you guys, like, just guess, okay? I always do this because it always scares people so, so much. Can you guess how much um, water goes into a burger in gallons? I, I swear to God, someone did a presentation about this one week ago. Who, what, how much? I hmm. think, was it, is it something like... 5,000 gallons? 
Okay, not five. Okay, maybe gallons is like, um, it's kind of hard because we don't use gallons here. How about like liters? This is one liter, basically. So you guys can like guess how much, how many of these. Well, it's a lot more than that. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Anyways, it's, it's like um, yeah, it's two, um, 2,500 liters. So that's so much water. Jeez. It's nine bathtubs Jeez. full of water for one burger. And think, think of just how much food people are throwing away. It's so, food waste is so, so underrated. I mean, I think it's a bigger issue than plastic waste than paper waste. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, so whoever's listening to this podcast, if you ever decide to um, just leave that piece of meat on that and waste your food, <laughs> um, remember that how much meat requires 2,500 liters of water? 2,500 liters, yeah. It's the burger, right? Burger oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's like the whole burger, but mostly it goes mm. into the meat, yeah. Just, just remember that and finish your food. <laughs> Yeah, on, like, another note, because you said you were bringing, like, uh, your own box, your own fork, but, like, just bringing your own bottle, bro. Like. Thank you. Hey, people, people just don't bring their own bottles. It's like, okay, I'll go out, I'll buy some water. But that's just plastic. You could bring your own bottle. Just bring your own bottle in the, like, at the beginning. You can bring your own straw, right? These are awesome things that you can do. It's just, like. That's on the plastic side. I know this is food waste. No, that is on the plastic side, but I actually want to add to that. Again, I like consider this kind of related to food anyways. Straws. I think that is the most, I mean, unless you're drinking boba, which I understand, but straws are otherwise the most useless invention I've ever come across. You can drink water without a straw. I just want to put that out there. Um, but yeah, thank you. That's so true, though. Like, hey, you don't really need a straw. Like, at the end of the day, except for, like, what you said, like, bobo tea. But, like, bro, just ditch a straw for the rest of your life, and you probably get less plastic in the sea. Yeah, Um. actually adding to that, I think a lot of people aren't aware. People kind of just buy plastic, and they're like, oh, yeah, I can throw in some recycling bin. Um. Pretty much everything in Hong Kong does not get recycled, um, to tell you the truth. And things like plastic um, forks, straws, spoons cannot be recycled because they're too small. Um, and so really not much gets recycled, unfortunately. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested in how you mentioned like, the lack of recycling and like, how the government plays in this. So how do you think that different stakeholders, for example, the government, us as individuals or companies can play a role in reducing this enormous problem of food waste? Yeah, definitely. Um, again, everyone plays a role. Like whether you're just one person or the government can really do a lot. Um, everyone matters. Um, and in terms of government, um, I mean, I can just like list a few things they could do. Um, so I did a, I did a talk earlier, I think like two years ago with um, someone from MANA, which is essentially a um, vegan kind of fast, slow food um, chain in Hong Kong right now. And they're super cool. So definitely go check them out. But um, yeah, what they're petitioning for, and it's a government petition, is um, a plant plastic recycling plant. So what plant plastic is, it's um, instead of using oil to produce plastic, um, you use like 
plant cellulose and it's completely biodegradable but you need the right sort of recycling facility and so they're trying to get the Hong Kong government to get one of those um, and it just helps kind of recycle um, plastic from as you said plastic spoons plastic forks or just plastic boxes that are made of plant plastics um, another thing the government could definitely do and I believe the French government has already done this, is um, supermarkets. It's now illegal in France um, for supermarkets to have leftover food waste. They have to donate it. Um, and I think that's just so intuitive. Just donate extra food. There's so many people, even in Hong Kong, um, without food. So donate that food. Um, and I guess one more thing, sorry, I just keep thinking because there's so much the government could do. Um, for example, if you have food left at things especially like um hot pot because people always over order is you get fined if you have food left um and you don't take it away so yeah i mean that's just i don't want to keep rambling but that's just a few steps the government could take right and it's like it's like these are small steps right so these are things that the government can do i guess in a way um the governments like governments across the world are probably facing like COVID-19 more than anything but I mean food waste is still a big problem and so I feel like a little bit every month that'd be good right because we can contribute to a more sustainable future. Totally agree. Yeah I'm just curious like personally has running donut waste changed your thinking about food in any way? Oh yeah definitely. Um, I mean I never yeah I never realized how much resources goes into food production. I think unless you really look into it, like you don't realize, and it takes a while before it really hits you. It is absolutely insane. Like I can just paint a picture. Um, say I don't eat beef anymore because it's, it's just so bad. I love beef, okay? I, I used to eat everything, okay? I'm crazy about food. And if I can cut it out, you can cut it out. Um, yeah, so say there's like a cow, right? Um, it has to eat. It eats a lot, okay? Um, and say it's corn, it's grass. That takes a lot of water. It takes a lot of time. Um, and I mean, it takes a couple of months before this cow is ready for the slaughter. Um, so all this kind of resources that goes into just feeding it is itself a lot. And then this cow poops. Methane is generated. And then you bring the cow to the slaughter. Um, let's not forget, like, the transport and the oil, the gas that takes to transport it from the farm to the slaughterhouse. The slaughterhouse itself generates a lot of CO2 and a lot of emissions. Um, it then gets plastic, it gets, then gets like processed into like these tight plastic casings. Again, there's plastic. Um, and then it gets shipped to you on probably an airplane, which is the worst thing for the planet. And so there's just so many steps that goes into food production that we don't think about. Um, that really does impact the planet. Yeah, so I feel like many people feel like meat is like already hard to diet. They're not gonna cut it. Um, what do you say to those people? Because obviously the slaughterhouse as well, like would you say that's inhumane? Like there are many people who think that um, it's just normal to eat meat nowadays. And so what do you say to that? Yep. Yeah, um, and let me just put this into perspective for you guys, okay? I used to eat, I'm not kidding, I can eat a whole chicken on one, in one sitting, okay? So I am the biggest meat eater. 
Um, and I see Paco nodding his head. So yeah, he loves his chicken. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, um, so look at your palm now, right? And it's kind of like two sides, depending on how big you are. Um, that's all the meat you need in a day, right? So it's palm sized. And think about how much you actually eat. Um, we really overconsume. It's really quite bad for your health. Um, so if you think that cutting out on a bit of protein is gonna harm your health, no, it's not. It's gonna benefit you actually. Um, and I get it, like cutting it out completely is really difficult. Um, and so it was kind of a gradual process for me too. I cut out beef and lamb first because they're the worst for environment. And then I started going part-time vegetarian recently. Um, and so, you know, baby steps. Um, and yeah, I get it. Meat can become a big part of diet, um, but there are kind of quickly like substitutes coming in. And so you can like experiment with some of them, but I'm not saying at all to cut meat out completely. It's just, even if you cut it out partially, have like meatless Mondays, for example, you are already really helping. Yeah, I heard that you've mentioned like substitutes and like for example like omni pork and impossible meats are like entering the market nowadays like what are your opinions on that like do you think they can help um elevate some of these issues related with meat and also with um reducing food waste as well by um getting us to waste less meat and just generally be more sustainable yeah um I mean, I don't know if it'll help us waste less meat, but I think, I mean, the production of these kind of substitutes definitely take less resources. So it does kind of save the planet on that end. But um, personally, I haven't looked into it very much, but um, I think that most people go and it's just kind of a one-time, two-time thing for them. It's a trend. Um, and so maybe in the future, hopefully, like it can come as a substitute, people can eat it more frequently. Um, right now, I don't think it's there though. Like personally, um, I'm not going to lie. It's not really meat. That's just what I think. And um, what I really prefer instead of these kind of highly processed um, substitutes is, don't forget, there's like tofu. Tofu is super abundant, super cheap and packed with protein. Um, and I just eat a lot of tofu right now. And it's not just like the squishy stuff that I hate, right? So like, I hate the squishy tofu. Like there are so many different types of bean curds. Um, and you can just start cooking, start experimenting. It's delicious. Um, yeah, and super, super cheap, so. Yeah, about like that as well. Like, um, I mean, we did talk about Oatly on the round table. Uh, I love yeah, Oatly. Yeah. Hey, we talked about the controversy on the round table. So if you guys, listeners, want to check that out, you can. Hey, I'm just saying. Um, but just only as a company, just like the idea and the concept rather than the controversy, do you think like, because what they're saying is they're excluding the cow. So they're going from plant, not to cow, and then straight to milk. So how do you feel about that? I love that. Um, and I love Oatly. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I love companies which aren't trying to substitute, you know, like if vegetarian companies or vegetarian food companies keep trying to replace meat, they're always going to be a step behind. But if it's an original product like Oatly, it's oat milk, it's not cow's milk, it's oat milk. And it's different, but it's delicious, you know? Um, try and just position it differently. Don't try and like, 
compare. It's different, but it's just as delicious. Yeah, I think Oatly really is like really going there with um, trying to get us to like, and also how they're trying to push for that like sustainable message as well. Like, I think that's something that's really important and that can really perhaps like with the more demand they get, like the more attention they're going to get. And that obviously it's going to change the demand and supply um, for meat and other related animal products um, in our society. Yeah, I think right now um, it's a lot of these products are priced high. Um, and I mean, I'd like to deny this, but it's quite true. Um, you know, being able to have the privilege to care for environmentalism, it is a privilege. Um, and so right now it's priced high. But as you said, once supply increases, um, the price is going to go down. And that's what I hope to see in the future. Like a social norm? Like, would you want to see um, these... Not really plant, I mean, yes, plant-based, but not like alternatives like tofu and all that and uh, oatly. And do you want to see those become like a new social norm or something like that? Um, I think it's getting there, actually. Like, you know, it's kind of trendy to go vegetarian or whatever. But um, yeah, it'd be great if people just start incorporating it into their lives. Would you consider like this um, message that of um, perhaps like consuming less animal products, being more sustainable? Would that you would you consider incorporating that as part of your strategy of pushing for less food waste with donut waste? Um, since we've talked so much about um, eating less meat, trying to push for more sustainable options, would like like all these recommendations that you just made, would that be part of perhaps your future strategy or like future projects that you would do with donut waste to push for less food waste in Hong Kong? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So actually, we also host kind of student workshops and um kind of corporate workshops as well, um, where we not only promote donut waste and kind of our different initiatives, but we also kind of try and educate people on um, the environment. And so um, we definitely incorporate kind of less meat eating into that. And I always show people the stats of kind of how much water or how much resources goes into producing um, the different foods that we eat. And that definitely helps put things into perspective. Um, we've reached about 500 plus kids in a few months um, with our workshops. So yeah, I think it's really making an impact and I'm happy with the work that we're doing. Yeah, like just kids, like kids and like students. Um, I know you guys house like um, corporate workshops as well, but like focusing on like our younger generation, because like that's what our podcast is also about. It's like focusing on like the younger generations and how getting them into like the sustainability sector. Um, so like, what would you, what would you like, what advice would you give to like these like kids and students who are like trying to experiment with like going to alternatives to me or like just different um, projects in general um oh different projects or different diets okay let me start with the dieting um yeah go for it definitely and don't go cold turkey you know don't like cut out meat instantly but um experiment with different Kind of recipes um don't try and replace again um and yeah go for it learn how to cook that's a great university skill um and yeah you can definitely incorporate just like you can start with one meal um and then you can have like one day that's meatless um that's great 
um, and in terms of kind of like starting your own projects, um, how they can get started? Was that one of the questions? Yeah. Um, yeah, so how you can start on your own project. I think a lot of times we overthink this. It's like, oh, it's a company. It's scary. How do I like start my own? Um, really, it just go for it. And um, a great piece of advice I got from someone recently is it's a company when you'd say it's a company. And that might sound strange, but when you like come across with the sincerity and the seriousness that it takes to run a company, people will believe you. You then have a company. If you don't believe that you have a company, then you don't because you come across as just this kid who has like an idea. But you take yourself seriously and other people will. Right. And like, because you're still, you're still the founder of this, right? So, and now you, you just talked about like how uh, you and uni and cooking is a really good skill to have, but like you study a lot of different things in uni. So how does that really apply to your own company nowadays? Um, how does what I study impact? Yeah, how like... does your, yeah, how does what your study like impact uh, donut waste? Um, yeah, so I guess a little bit about what I'm studying now. I'm a freshman, so a first-year student um, at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, the Wharton School of Business, um, and I'm double majoring in environmental studies and business. Um, and I guess that <laughs> that's pretty clearly kind of um, what Donut Waste is about, and it's directly influenced what I want to study because of the experience I have with my startup. So that just kind of gives you a little insight onto how much I love it. Um, yeah, like being part of kind of the Penn ecosystem, the Penn entrepreneurship ecosystem, it's amazing. Um, I've got to know so many different environmental founders um, and take, I guess, some of their expertise um, and learn from them and then take it back to my startup. So. Yeah, this isn't like the end at all. This is a new beginning. I'm just curious about like how you mentioned about like getting kids and involved in all that. Like how did you manage to interact them or just like how do you manage to get them interested in the issue of food waste in general? Um, get kids. So in terms of our workshops or how did I get some of them onto my team? I guess kind of both. both. Yeah. Like, how do you manage to interact with them and, like, just make them feel like this is an issue that they should care about? And, yeah, just, like, the general, how do you do that? Um, yeah, and that's actually kind of, first, a great question. And also why um, I think you guys have such a good uh, mission. Because kids really are a target group that I don't think is emphasized enough. Um, it's when, like the saying how kids are like sponges and you know we are we're learning so quickly our ideas are changing um and if you kind of tell them in about environmental issues whereas grown-ups might kind of be set in their mindset already um kids like will listen to you and you make it fun engaging um you know they learn quickly and they are interested in kind of helping out and doing good um and feeling that sense of accomplishment so um yeah, like I love what you guys are doing, to be honest, because you are targeting our next generation and they are really first the most easily influenced and the most important, in my opinion. Right, because I can really say this like um, for my like classmates, because we don't, it's not really like emphasized how much food waste and just environmental issues are nowadays. And so like when you guys are here to like help us 
understand that this is an issue, that this is a problem, especially with the younger students because their their minds aren't set yet. Like may parents are like in that mindset that, okay, this is what my previous generation said to me. I'm going to follow that and I'm going to continue what they're doing. With this new generation, it's like, no, I can, I can be something different, something better for this world. Yeah, um, and building on that, like, as a kid, again, emphasizing how much power you have, um, whoever is listening, you can influence your parents, and that's actually kind of the way to go. Like, if you believe in something and you tell them what you've learned in school, um, you can change their mindset. And so I think getting to a whole family is through the kid. Yeah, and I seen that you mentioned your parents and like adults, and I think role models are definitely like a big part of this. Like, as growing up, like, what were your own role models? Like, what was what inspired you and and helped you along with your journey? Um, yeah, definitely. So obviously, my mom is one of my role models. Um, she balances work and family so so well. Um, but other ones, as I've kind of gotten older, is just. Um, if you look around, you start to like meet different people who usually, I guess, my space is environmental startups, but their mission and their drive and, you know, their passion towards what they're doing is so, so inspiring, um, which is why right now I'm kind of on like a self-finding journey. I'm trying to learn from these different people um, and like look around, you know, there are people who really, really deserve you kind of like learning from. You obviously have your strengths and other people have their strengths. Um, and that's what I always think, like everyone, again, brings something to the table. Um, and so, yeah, just learn from your peers. Right, that's an important point. Cause like nowadays it's like, um, we always look up to these big role models, like uh, these huge um, environmental organizations or like maybe your favorite team or stuff like that as your role model, but technically like your friends, your family, like these people can also be your role models. And in this case, like what we're trying to do and what you're trying to do is we're, we're trying to show how, um, how food waste and environmental issues are really a big thing. And I feel like that's just really important to the younger generation. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and as a kid, you know, like, yeah, you hear big names. Um, it used to be like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. Um, but then you start to realize as you grow up that just look around, like people directly near you are so, so inspiring. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. So about your products as well, because like we, we talked about this in like the beginning of this podcast. So like, what 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 are your products and maybe like go into more depth on them yeah um definitely um so our latest product is food print um and so essentially what it is it's a product that comes in two parts it's a food waste monitoring system targeting um schools but also companies so um it comes in two parts again um and the first part is our very own computer program and the second is a digital scale that we've um, created ourselves so it comes in software and hardware and it works together um and so say you're in a school cafeteria um and this digital scale is put under your big food waste bin and so as students scrape their individual food waste into the bin after lunch um, they look up at the big screen and in real time um, you see how much waste in kilograms you've wasted 
um, how much water it's taken to produce this food, how many people this food could have fed. And um, it graphs kind of from Monday to Friday, um, the trend of how much you've produced. Um, and this whole system is gamified and we're trying to get levels in um, to kind of just make it more interactive and fun for kids. Um, and I think that goes back to your question on how do you make environmental issues fun for kids? You know, why are they interested? Um, and that's what we're trying to target. We're trying to get to the root of the problem, which is people wasting their food um, and raising awareness for how much resources you're actually wasting when you do this. Um, and yeah, the whole kind of interface is vibrant. Um, there's our like little donut mascot um, that cheers yawn and tells you to kind of waste less food. Um, and our future plans for this and what we're developing right now is we're trying to make this an interactive, um, sorry, um, interactive, but also inter-school event. Um, and so if different schools have the same product implemented, we can have like a board which shows kind of which school is coming first and which one is wasting the least food. Um, and that's just kind of friendly competition um, is what we're hoping will kind of get students to waste even less. Wow, that sounds really amazing. Like if we were to implement at that school, like I think t like everyone in our school would totally be like so in it just to see like in real time how much resources we're actually wasting and just like raise awareness on that as well. How would you implement this? Because obviously you guys right now are in the US, but Technically, like, this is, like, a Hong Kong, like, we're in Hong Kong as well. So, like, would you try to implement in Hong Kong first or maybe, like, where you are in, like, your university? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I guess one of the problems that comes with studying overseas, um, I think we want to keep it local first, um, simply because this is where it all started. Um, and it was, the plan was always to start in Hong Kong. Um, we have a few international schools kind of interested, um, implement there after our pilot test at Veolia, um, which is happening, and then go into like greater China. But again, as you brought up, another great point is if we're studying in Philadelphia near New York, why not implement it in schools there, right? Um, so yeah, there's so much potential for growth. Yeah, just like, I know this is kind of like off topic here, but have you ever like, have you noticed any difference between food waste in the US and in Hong Kong? Ooh, that's a great question. Huh, is there a difference? I think I have not looked into this enough, unfortunately. Um, I only know like global stats or um, local Hong Kong stats, but um, I feel like people are more conscious in the US and um, this is largely due to culture. I think Hong Kong, um, at least my parents, there's still a culture of for example, when you have people over, you always need to have excess food on the table. You can't have it finished because, you know, it's like a sign of um, prosperity and wealth and whatever <laughs> they're trying to um, get across. But um, yeah, just kind of superstitions that we're stuck with. Um, eight is the lucky number. So I don't know about you guys, but special occasions, you always have eight dishes, even if you only have like four people at the table. Um, and there's less of this in the US. So yeah, that's a great um, question. There's definitely cultural differences. Yeah, mm. so Sabrina, after your great talk about um, all that work with the school kids and like also your own, like trying to get your parents to like change your mindset and all that stuff, all that stuff, like what are your future goals for Donut Waste? And perhaps maybe mention some of your future personal goals as well. Like it would be great to love to learn more about you as a person.
Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and thank you again for having me. And if you've, I guess, stuck until the end of this podcast, thank you so much. Um, really reach out to me. I'm happy to chat with anyone. Um, and in terms of kind of future goals for Donut Waste, um, definitely to get Foodprint um, implemented as, as, at as many schools as possible, um, get it developed and kind of many iterations of it and to continuously make it better. Um, I think that's the goal for Donut Waste. Um, another thing, I guess, personal goals, um, like this startup is my life. And so thinking into the future, I'd love to continue with something along the same lines, um, environmental and entrepreneurship related. Um, I think how I'm going to get started is probably um, start at a big firm. I think that's always kind of like a smart way to go. Start at a big firm, um, maybe business related, but in their environmental sector, and then get experience, understand how like a big firm is organized. That's always important before you bring all the knowledge that you've accumulated into your own startup. Um, and by then, you know, you have a network of people you can reach out to who you might like to have as your co-founders. Um, I'm just super excited for the future, you know, like I know it's bleak, um, in terms of kind of where we are with the environment. Um, it's not looking very well, very good at all, but, um, yeah, I'm optimistic. And I think that again, whoever's listening, um, I think we're the next generation and you can definitely make an impact. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this talk. Thank you so much, Sabrina. You truly are like inspiring and I really learned so much talking to you and I wish you like all the best in your university ventures and whatever path that life takes you. Thank you so so much. Thank you Caden. Thank you Paco. Thank you and thank the listeners for making it all this way. We know it's been a long 50 or an hour. We don't know how long this will be edited. Thank you for you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.